It's time for JT the Brick. I can't tell you how emotionally upset I get when I talk to him knowing that that man should be in Canton, Ohio, and for whatever reason, the Hall of Fame can't get that right. The countdown to Canton is on. We were the best team. We deserve to be world champions. I'm proud of you. Tom Flores. I have tears in my eyes right now just thinking about it. Charles Woodson. You know, I, I went out there and I played my played my heart out each and every Sunday. As these Raiders are inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, we honor them on Raider Nation Radio. Just win, baby. The countdown to Canton is on. Here's your host, JT the Brick. All right, welcome back. Hour number two. You just heard John Gruden speak from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. His first press conference of the year at the start of training camp, and I thought that went really well. You know, Coach Gruden has that ability to captivize a room and tell everybody what he thinks, and he told us a lot. Told us a lot on individual players about the vaccine, about COVID, the team last year, how good he thought they were in the AFC West and what they need to do. Going forward, made light of grades. He doesn't love grades all the time, but it's vintage Coach Gruden, man. This is what he does. He has a tremendous background on television and with the media. He's a Super Bowl-winning head coach, and he throws press conferences and, and puts, on, puts on press conferences as good as anybody in this league, period. Uh, Mike Tomlin is on my Mount Rushmore for it also. There's a couple of coaches out there, but when John Gruden speaks, you'll hear it here first on Raider Nation Radio. Big day today, going in a lot of directions. Raiders training camp, but there's nothing to talk about in regards to evaluation of practice. Practice starts tomorrow. I'll be out there all day, and we'll host a show from there to tell you what we saw and hopefully have a couple of guests ready to go. On top of that, Simone Biles withdrew from the women's gymnastics team, the team competition. There is now talk about her mental health and issues surrounding her confidence and what happened. That is a global story, the biggest story in all of sports. Nothing's close to that. Then Aaron Rodgers returned. He showed up, took the private jet. And he's in Green Bay. He reported he's got a new deal or a new understanding in Green Bay that he's going to play one more year. And then the gut punch today in Vegas, one of the biggest stories ever in the history of Vegas when it comes to professional sports. Marc-Andre Fleury was traded today from the Vegas Golden Knights to the Chicago Blackhawks. That's a busy day. That's about as busy as it gets here. So any direction you want to go in on that, if you want to comment on John Gruden and what he said if he inspires you, uh, I liked what he said about the secondary and how the secondary is going to have to get going. He likes the players they drafted. Some Raider fans don't. Some Raider fans don't like the young players, don't think they're up to speed, and they're not from Damon Arnett. He talked about the injuries to Ruggs, what happened with Ruggs, getting COVID, the injury, and what he expects to see from these players like Trevon Merrick and how he's in the mix and he should play at a high level. I, I thought Coach Gruden nailed it when he talked about the offensive line and what they're going to need to do. So there's a lot on the plate here. Coach Gruden met the media. I thought it was a fine press conference. It's not combative. It doesn't need to be. It's training camp. You could tell he wants to get to work. This was about hugs and getting guys back in the building, talking to players, getting them all checked in with their physicals and their lockers and doing everything you do to get ready for the first day of training camp. Now they get ready as a unit to stay safe, to not get COVID. Now the COVID questions you knew were going to come in big, and he seems like he's pretty satisfied with all the COVID concerns. So that's where we're at 
and I'd like your opinion on this, and how confident are you on the first day of camp? On the first day of camp, how confident are you? Because I think there are Raider fans who are very confident. They really do. They understand that this team is ready to go. And the national media is ripping this team because they don't think they're ready to go. And I don't know. It's going to go back and forth. It's going to go back and forth for a couple of weeks here, and nothing's going to be accomplished until after preseason and the Raiders walk off the field Monday night football against the Baltimore Ravens. All of this, there's going to be a lot of hype. There's going to be a lot of evaluation. The roster cut down to 53 is very important now because I think that the Raiders are deep at certain positions, and they're going to have a lot of competition. On the defensive line at the defensive tackle position, I wrote a couple of notes on that as he talked about Darius Phylon and what he expects to see out of a big year with Yannick Ngakwe and Solomon Thomas. He talked about Cleland Farrell and how unique of a player he is. He's going to have to step up and have a big year this year. He's the fourth overall pick in the draft a few years ago. He's got to play well. So that was John Gruden's press conference. We cover it for you on the flagship. But today, the biggest story in Vegas was not that press conference. It was Marc-Andre Fleury being traded to Chicago. My friend Linda Cohn, kind enough to join us from ESPN Sports Center and all of her hockey work and shows and podcasts. And Linda, you've been very kind to Vegas and the Golden Knights. You picked them to go to the Cup. And now we find out today that the face of the franchise is gone. And Marc-Andre Fleury, how do you see it? Yeah, um, anyone who follows me on Twitter kind of kind of heard, I mean, can get the impression, get the feel of how I feel about uh, management right now for Vegas Golden Knights. Um, let me count the ways how there should have been so many better ways of doing this. You know, it was no secret that the Golden Knights were going to and probably would have, you know, we all knew that one of these guys, sadly, because of the business of the sport, uh, had to be gone, whether it was Leonard or Flurry. And so that wasn't the shocking part. It was the way that it was done that he found out on Twitter uh, and many other ways and have never seen in professional sports a guy, and you said it, JT, we've talked about it. You say it on the show all the time. You said it just moments ago. A guy that was all in, face of the franchise, wanted to retire a Vegas Golden Knight. Nobody loved Vegas more. And there's no nicer guy in the National Hockey League than Marc-Andre Fleury. To be treated this way is just, is just a, a, a travesty. It's, it's shocking. Uh, I know sports is a business, but it's also about it's a, it's the way you treat people, people on all levels. Marc-Andre Fleury treated the equipment manager, the guy who emptied out the, the garbage in the dressing room, the same as treated everybody else. And to treat this guy who lived and breathed Vegas Golden Knight hockey uh, and put them on the map, uh, it's just I, I'm, in, I'm in shock. And now um, – you know, now we're like Alan Walsh, his agent, you know, tweeting out, as you probably talked about, that he's contemplating retirement as opposed to going to the Blackhawks. Um, that would be sad that he would be forced into retirement because he didn't want to go to Chicago or anywhere else. Um, it's, it's head shaking. I'm very disappointed. Linda Cohn is our guest. Linda, you've been covering breaking news as good as anyone for a long time. So I want to stay with this because I know it's a business. As soon as they brought in Robin Leonard, you knew there was going to be some type of goalie controversy, but Flurry goes on 
to win the Vesna Trophy for the first time in his career, and he had a lot to do with the Vegas Golden Knights record in the regular season. He gave up a couple of weak goals in the postseason, especially one big one to Montreal. But other than that, he's been spectacular. So I'm, I'm sensing that you suggest that his agent, the organization, the management should have been on the same page, letting him know before he would have to hear about it on Twitter. How often does this happen in sports? It feels like it's happening more and more with social media. Yeah, JT, because of the explosion of social media over the years, uh, it is that way. It doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mean it's right. And again, the level of importance and significance and love, love that Mark Andre Fleury is. I don't have to tell you, you live it. You're there. That this player is. And let me tell you, a lot of these goalies give up a couple of bad goals. I know the goals you're referring to. We know mm-hmm. about it. You know, no one, no one picked up. No one picked him up. Right? No one on his team saved his butt. Andre Vasilevsky wasn't perfect in leading the Tampa Bay Lightning. You know, he was perfect when it's time to closing out series, but. If you look at Marc-Andre Fleury's record in big-time games, what he did in that net was fantastic. He kept his team in it, even after major miscues, which were few and far between. But nobody picked him up. So that wasn't the reason why they lost to Montreal, Marc-Andre Fleury letting in that, you know, that, you know, that bad goal when he you know, misplayed it behind the net and all that. Um, there was plenty of time to fix things. And nobody picked them up. So, yes, social media has a lot to do with it, but it doesn't mean it's right. Linda Cohn is our guest. You know, in Vegas with the history of UNLV, with the national championship and all the big fights that have been in Vegas for decades, this is the first professional sports team. And then the Raiders come in with Mark Davis and John Gruden in their second. But Mark andre Fleury, for a time, as you know, was the face of Las Vegas because of the way he represented the team on the ice in their inaugural season. They go to the Stanley Cup, unheard of, and then they go deep into the playoffs every year. And, Linda, it wasn't supposed to end this way. I don't know the way it was supposed to end, but I think it would have been great if he was holding up the Stanley Cup at T-Mobile Arena and they parted ways that way. When you look at the business side of Vegas, a lot of fans where I am in this city – they're spoiled. We went to the Cup. They went to the Cup in year one, and Fleury played great the rest of the way and were supposed to win last year. How do you think the fans are going to handle this? Because he's a unique athlete in this sport as there's expansion in Seattle and the NHL's coming back to you, which we're thrilled about on ESPN. Yeah, and I mean, I'm already seeing on social media, speaking of which, the fan response. There's even fans in the Chicago fan base that think this is a bad move. I mean, you know, they're trying to rebuild. I know they got Seth Jones and everything, but why even go there, you know? But let's get back to the Vegas contingent. You know, the fall, in that's to me that is remarkable. When we really look within this story, JT, the guy that was the franchise did everything right, wanted to be there. And little by little, whether it was starting with a coaching change when Pete DeBoer came in, replacing Gerard Gallant, which, again, I'm still shaking my head over with all due respect to Pete DeBoer, uh, but it all began, and then bringing in Robin Leonard, and then not, and then Marc-Andre Fleury seizing the opportunity this season to be the man and putting Leonard on the back burner, and kudos to Robin Leonard, who handled that so well and those two are the best of buddies very competitive but the best of buddies sharing a william jennings trophy by the way as well um for you know lowest goals allowed so 
honestly, it's just this fall from from prominence that had nothing to do with anything that Marc Andre Fleury did. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, have you ever seen? You've covered as many professional sports as I have, JT. Have you ever seen a player who owned a franchise, and I mean the face of a franchise, just skyrocket, falling down, just spiraling downward, and it had nothing to do with his play? Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, I've been doing this a long time. There's, there's rare athletes that have done what Marc-Andre Fleury's done for Vegas because the impression, as you know, when Vegas got the team was, oh, this is the desert, this is not a hockey town, it's not going to work, it's going to be all tourist. And then it turns out to be one of the best in-house experiences in hockey. It's an incredible home ice experience. And, Linda, his shutouts, everyone in town gets free donuts, and they actually showed up and got their free donuts. There were traffic jams in this city. What he did after the tragedy and the shooting of 1 October, what he does with foundations and charity work, and just how exceptional he is after a game when he wins or loses, and he's so generous to the media, and then everybody wakes up today. And, again, I know it's a business. And I'll wrap it up with this. Bill Foley, the owner of this team, this gentleman is a great guy. He's yeah. done everything to put this franchise on the map and make it better. The roster gets better every year. They get better offensive players. They spend more money. But now they lost the face of the franchise, Linda. How do you think they react to this? How do you think the organization reacts to this? Because it sounds like there's going to be some bad media blowback on the way they handled it. Yeah, this is a great question, JT, and I'm glad you asked me this. Obviously, you get rid of $7 million there, uh, the salary for Marc-Andre Fleury, and you have money to spend. And I just wonder if then Vegas is now more in the market of getting a Jack Eichel uh, Mm. type of guy, right? And so I think they're going to need to make a big splash like that. And and, And you're right about Bill. I mean, you know, he's done everything to put this team in position to win a cup. Um, yeah, I'm not on, on board on every decision he's made, but he is, since they came into the league, they were built to win now, and that's what he continues to do, and that's not going to change. So they're going to need to make a huge splash and get a big-time name. And there are a few out there that, you know, that could happen. And, and uh, I know the Palugas, uh, who own the Buffalo Sabres, don't want Jack Eichel traded to a team out east. Mm-hmm. They would like to see him go out west and Las Vegas, the Vegas Golden Knights, are a team out west. So, you know, maybe that would help. But I still, I just, I have my head shaking. I'm sorry, a player of this caliber and of this class and character should not find out this news on social media. Thank you, Linda. Needed to hear your voice on this. Thanks for joining us. Always the best. Thanks for having me. Take care, JT. Linda Cohn from ESPN Sports Center, an authority on hockey. She's fantastic. And, again, uh, this wasn't part of the plan today on the show, but uh, knowing Vegas, you knowing Vegas, even if you're a Raider fan listening outside of market, this is a monumental transaction in Vegas professional sports history. And for those who are saying, well, what are you talking about? Well, this is the first pro sports team that came to Vegas, the Golden Knights, and he was the face of the franchise, and he's gone on Tuesday, July 27th, gone. Wow. A couple of things have shocked me over the last couple of weeks with people I know gone. And this is a big one because Marc-Andre Fleury is one hell of a player. And he brought a lot of satisfaction to my fandom and my life in Vegas recently, and especially as a sports talk host. You can tell I really enjoyed covering his career and seeing him play. And 
all the games that I was able to go to, and I couldn't go to all of them because I have to work at night. But the times I went and I knew he was playing, knew they were, they were going to win, and it was going to be really exciting. 702-365-9200. All right, let's get back to John Gruden on the other side. He just had his press conference. Let's get some Raider fans. What did you pick out of the press conference? He just had the press conference. So you were the first callers and listeners and on Twitter at JT the Brick. What did you sense from Gruden? What did you like about what John Gruden had to say? Is there anything you didn't hear him say that you wish you would have heard? That's a big deal because when John Gruden speaks, we carry it here on the flagship station of the Silver and Black. So this is a big deal. I want your opinion on John Gruden at press conference. Usually he wins the press conference. In sports radio, we often say they lost the press conference. They didn't say something good. Something got taken out of context and all that. I didn't see that here. I thought he was really good. Sal in Vegas, thanks for waiting through that, Sal. You're up next. Go ahead. Hey, JT. Uh, Man, I'm just hearing all this info from your show and kind of, you know, I was with you. I'm from Southern California. I've been here for quite a while now. And, you know, my team originally was, you know, the Kings. And, Mm -hmm. um, I was with you when the when the team was born. You know, we had the misfits. Uh, I jumped on board and I said, you know what, I'm going to ride with this team. And uh, it was an exciting time. And and if I'm hearing, you know, you know, I don't know if it's true or not. What, you know, how he was notified and and you know, um, and all the stuff that's coming out. I mean, I'm kind of disappointed. You know, that's mm-hmm. kind of messed up. You know. And um, I think they should have at least gave him the option to maybe, hey, we're not going to pick you up. We're going to trade you. How about, a, you know, how about you retire? You know, give him some kind of option, you know, to go out, you know, like he should. And as far well, as. Well, he's owed $7 million. Here's, here's the tough part about this, Sal. I would not walk away from $7 million if I was going to play one more year. But the reason why Derek Jeter walked away from the Yankees, he could have played one more year in Tampa. He could have played one more year in Arizona and Phoenix or Seattle. But he wanted his legacy. To, he wanted to retire with his legacy being the captain of the Yankees, and he did. Mark andre Fleury's got two unique legacies. He's got a big one in Pittsburgh in a hockey town. He's got a huge one here in Vegas. And if he takes the high road on this and retires, I wonder. He has a house here. He's got young kids. He might not want to leave for the kids' education, or I would go bank the $7 bucks, add a couple more wins, play one more year. He's not going to be thrilled about it, but that's a lot of money to walk away from, man. Walking away from $7 million when you have family and kids, even though you have money, that's tough to do in sports. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I hear your points, but, I mean, I just, you know, he, he means golden knights to this community. You yeah, he does. The knights. You think of the night, the first person, you know, one of the first people that everybody brings up when I even speak about him is his name, you know, and yeah. he has represented us so for the last few years. And he's the reason why we were so successful. And it just, it just mm-hmm. doesn't make sense, you know. And on the other yeah. hand, um, I'm a PSL holder with the Raiders and uh, I'm excited because, uh, you know, here in the press conference with, with John, it's, it's kind of exciting, you know. Mm-hmm. He's sounding like he's optimistic and he's full of energy and he's ready to go. And, I just got the email uh, for us to attend a practice, so I'm looking forward to that to see Good. the guys in practice. So, you know, hey, uh, you know, we're losing Mark. You know, it was kind of like the same thing when we lost some of our offensive line guys. It didn't mm-hmm. make sense, but, you know, hey, let's see what happens and let's be optimistic. We're still going to support our team, you know, yeah. with our team. Appreciate it, Sal. Thank you. You know, the toughest part of sports being a fan is the business side. 
And today I'm more of a Vegas Golden Knights fan. I'm a fan more than I'm a member of the media. Uh, they've treated me really nice over there with credentials and going there. I've been in the locker room and all that. But I cover the Golden Knights from a fan's perspective here. And we put on the owner. We put on the coach. We put on the players. We had Mark andre on a couple of years ago. It's just a sad day. He's a big part of the community. I, I got to get some Grimaldi's pizza for my kids tonight to talk about this. Grimaldi's. Have a great pizza experience. Now it's a two-on-one for Toronto. Left wing side, a shot, save Flurry! Rebound juggled and gloved! Oh, Flurry somehow kept it out. Calm and cool. JT, as we continue, what a big day. Wow. As we continue on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, and we are brought to you by my good friends at Modelo. You know how much I love Modelo. We're going to be doing a lot with them. Remotes, appearances, Raider Nation, all of it. The official cerveza of the Las Vegas Raiders. Modelo Especial is brewed with time, effort, and determination to create the model Mexican lager. Everyone knows that hard work deserves a fitting reward, a Pilsner-style lager with a crisp, clean taste. You know I reward myself with a bucket of Modelo's iced up on the weekend. So with the Marc-Andre Fleury news and Aaron Rodgers news, Raiders training camp, officially the first day of school today over there, and my memories popped up on my Facebook page today. I love Facebook, wink, wink, for a lot of reasons. But today my memories popped up and I started seeing incredible memories, including three years ago, Colton Miller's first day. I took a picture with him, a photo that I have of Khalil Mack at training camp, which was amazing. John Gruden's first day back. It all pops up on my memories over the last 24 hours. And I'm looking forward to being there tomorrow. We'll be live at practice in the morning. I'll be hosting the show from there. But I wanted to touch on Simone Biles. And what happened today? I woke up this morning and, you know, when I turn on my phone, when I wake up in the morning, the one thing you don't want is bad news. That's the one thing you don't want. Something happening at night. I got older parents. I got sisters. You look at the phone in the morning. Hopefully there's no text messages. But I always have a few because my East Coast buddies who work at the Capitol in D.C., I'm on a thread with those guys. I'm on a thread with some guys. And they forget that I'm out Pacific time. So I woke up. This morning, and one of my buddies said, Simone Biles, what do you think happened? And I didn't know what he meant. I figured probably she had a bad performance or something. I don't know. So I went to Twitter, and I saw the news that she withdrew from the women's team, and the women got the silver medal. And right there instantly, I knew this was going to make for an interesting day. Because there's no doubt about it, we've seen some mental health issues in sports, and we've seen it recently. And this is just the latest case of the tremendous pressure that she is under. And she withdrew from the team final. Now, was it due to injury? Was her head not in the right spot? Whatever happens, she's the greatest gymnast of all time. There's no debate. And mental health is a huge issue in sports, much bigger than it was 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Now everybody is very comfortable talking about mental health. Michael Phelps was... I think the greatest Olympian of all time. And he had mental health issues and retired from the sport and came back because mentally 
he could not compete anymore. It was just too much on him. So we got a sense that something was going on with Simone Biles leading up into this with the trials. She was under pressure. She was on Instagram. She was talking about this. And she just didn't have a good performance. She wasn't right in the air. She's the best vaulter in the world. She landed low. And she took a massive step forward. And that's enough to be the difference between a gold and silver. But the fact that she was there, she lifted her teammate up. And she lifted her teammate up after, and all of her teammates, after she knew she couldn't go on. She said, quote, I'm fine. She said, I'm fine multiple times before leaving the arena. She sat with the team doctor surrounded by her teammates. So all the attention didn't come on these young gals winning the silver medal, which is a tremendous accomplishment. It came on Simone Biles. So then I started going to Twitter, and I started seeing what was happening here, and people calling her a quitter, and people saying that she can't handle the pressure. That is not fair. We can't be doing this to a young, iconic American athlete who has delivered so much greatness 27 gold and world championships in our career. She does the most difficult routines in the world in the history of her sport. It's very dangerous. She's been injured in training. The wear and tear on her body, physically and mentally, her entire life. I don't know what that's like. She said, quote, you have to be there 100%. If not, you get hurt. Today has been really stressful. I was shaking. I couldn't nap. I have never felt like this going into a competition. I tried to go out there and have fun, but once I came out, it was like, nope, my mental is not there. When she returned to the competition floor, she informed her teammates that she had withdrawn from the meet. Then she took off her grips, put her warm-ups on, and became their biggest cheerleaders. So I woke up with the Wagners this morning, my friend Dana and Kim Wagner, and I saw this story. And then it went right into the Today Show. And the Today Show had some good video and some conversation on this. But what's happening is this is the media now playing this up for tonight on NBC because NBC wants to talk about this in real time tonight. And they want to make sure they cover this in real time and get the best ratings possible. So I don't know where you stand on this. But to call this woman or this young girl a quitter, to me, is despicable. She wasn't right. She's in a dangerous sport. Did she let her teammates down? Well, she did perform not at her, not at her best. When she withdrew, she didn't go into the locker room and cry. She stood there and hung with her teammates. So we're getting more and more of this information, and it's really fluid at this point in time. But we're going to hear a lot of real-time analysis tonight on NBC, depending on if you're listening to us on Raider Nation Radio back east on a streaming device or you're going to wait for the Pacific time, a broadcast of it tonight. From a competition standpoint, point, the news of her withdrawal from the meet was anything but good news for a team already chasing the Russian Olympic Committee. They were behind by more than a point after the first rotation. So add into this that we're competing against the Russians. The Russians were supposed to be sanctioned. They're not. The Russians are beating us in, I believe, the most important sport at the Olympics. If it's not the 100 meters in track and field, it's women's gymnastics, which we dominate. But as ESPN reported today, and I read the article before the show, Alyssa Ronjik said something great, and I wanted to share this with everybody. 
because it sums up what's going on in the world. From a human standpoint, the news hit harder. Biles has said throughout the past year that her return to the gym, especially after the COVID-19 pandemic delayed these games, was made only more difficult by the fact that in order to chase her goals, she must represent an organization that failed her and her fellow survivors in the wake of the Larry Nasser abuse revelations. She's continued to call out U.S. gymnastics for their lack of transparency and has said that as long as she performs in the Olympic leotard bedazzled with USA, she keeps a light shining brightly upon the survivors and what they went through. Look, this has got everything. I think that men and women too, but men need to back off. I think if you're not educated on mental illness or have someone in your family going through a difficult point in time, you got to back off on this. Uh, Guys like Pierce Morgan, who are talking about quitting and issues and walking away from pressure, it's not the time to do this. It is not the time to do this, especially with one of our greatest icons of all time. And how about on top of this, Naomi Osaka, who lit the torch for Japan, got beat in the third round. And she didn't play in the French Open and withdrew from Wimbledon because of mental health issues. So all I'm saying is this. You don't hear about this a lot with grown men playing football. You don't hear about this from hockey players. And everybody should be remorseful and care for this American athlete who's one of our own. This is going to be a massive story for the next couple of days. She has five individual events left. She could go five for five and win the gold medal. I don't know what she needs. Her family can't be inside the arena to support her. All these athletes don't have their family to support them as they're going through all this pressure. So I love the Olympics. I watch it, as I've said. My wife makes it must-see television. We turn it on, and it's on my house when I'm doing my show at night and with my sons to watch. And this is going to be must-see television tonight as all the analysts go out there and they try to break down what happened to Simone Biles. To me, it's obvious. The pressure was too daunting. The mental wear and tear on her was too much. And she deserves a little bit of respect and time for people to call her out. We're getting way out of control with social media, Twitter. There's a lot of anonymous people out there taking shots, and we should all protect this girl because of her legacy in the United States as arguably the greatest Olympian of all time. It's sad news. I hope she bounced back. She talks to someone. Her coaches and her teammates can get her going again. But you better believe I was getting that in the show today. This is the biggest story in sports by a lot. It's bigger internationally than Aaron Rodgers coming back to the Green Bay Packers. And I'm a big fan of Simone Biles. And I'm disappointed that she had a withdrawal, uh, withdrew from this tournament, from the Olympics. But there's more to the story. Let it play out. Let it play out. And don't make the mistake of going on social media to give your comments on a young girl if you have no idea what she's going through. Really a disappointing day, night, whenever you're watching this. It's crazy. Don't know if this happened yesterday. They're going to play it tonight like it's live. It's just tough to watch the Olympics. We're brought to you by Sam and Ash, your personal injury attorneys, because you deserve what's right. Give them a call, 702-820-1234. Sam and Ash work hard to get you full and fair compensation so you do less and get more. They're a two-for-one team, my friends. Sam and Ash, JT's attorneys, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. When we come back, my conversation off the radio with Tom Flores today. 
which was very inspiring to me. As we continue right here on Raider Nation, 9.20 a.m. and on the Raiders T-Mobile app. Leaves up ahead on the far side, and a shot, no, rebound, oh, a diving, glove saved by Flurry. He went airborne, back to his left, and saved the goal. Gonna miss Dan Duba on those Flurry calls, they were great. JT, back with you, we wrap it up, brought to you by Remy Martin. This Saturday, as they team up for excellence with Dre's for the ultimate after party, I will be there for it, the day starts at Dre's. Beach Club with the live performance by Wiz Khalifa and bottle specials on Remy Martin VSOP 1738 and XO. But don't forget about Botanist Gin and Mount Gay Rum pitcher specials too. The doors open there at 11 a.m. And once the sun sets, Dre's Nightclub will be hosting the ultimate live performance by 2 chains with Remy Martin bottle specials all night long. Don't miss this epic day by purchasing your tickets at Dre'sGroup.com. Dre'sGroup.com. Remy Martin, always teaming up for excellence. And no one could ever tell me, JT, get off my lawn. What are you saying? Because I'm going to see two chains with my boys from Remy Martin, team up for excellence. Interesting day today. I will never forget this show because I'll never forget Mark andre Fleury in Vegas as he's been traded. Uh, Raider Dave in Denver. How, how you been, Dave? It's been a while. Go ahead. It has been a while. I've been pretty busy. As you know, I work in the media, and I wanted to talk about how Flores or when Flores met me. And before you think that's an ego trip, mm-hmm. let me tell you exactly what happened. It was the game in Denver when Janikowski tied the field goal record, and I was stuck in the biggest booth next to Boland's, and I could not scream and holler because everybody was a Denver fan. And so at the end of the game, up in the press level, I go into the elevator and I start to go down, but the, the doors don't close. In walks another guy. It could have been Bedane, I don't remember, and Flores. And I am actually just stunned at that point. I never thought I'd ever see him or meet him. Or He reaches out his hand, shakes mine, and says, Hi, how are you? I'm wearing black. I'm not a... I'm not a homer for the station I work at. I'm not going to wear blue and orange. I'm wearing black. He's like, how are you doing? What's your name? I'm Tom Flores. I'm like, uh, uh, I know. I mean, and going through high school and the Raiders winning as much as they did in the 80, 83 uh, uh, Super Bowl years, I want a lot of money. So there's all kinds of plays I could have talked to him about, and I was just stunned. So the fact is that he has as much grace and honor and class that he made it feel like he met me. And that wow. was really something, and I'll never forget it. Thank you for sharing that story. Good to hear from you, Dave. We'll hear a lot from you during the season. Uh, I talked to Coach Flores today. I had a call with him at 10 in the morning. I called him at 10 o'clock. He picked up out in Tom, uh, Palm Desert, and we talked about his event out in Vegas, which I'll be able to talk about more next week. <clears throat> his Canton, Ohio, excuse me, induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He never sounded better. His voice sounded great. He is so excited about his party, which will be inside the Hall of Fame, right behind where he's getting inducted. It's going to be a big event for the Flores family. I can't wait to be a part of it, to be someone in that room with Tom Flores and be in the crowd when he gets inducted. Can't wait. Antonio in Vegas, wrap it up. What's happening? 
Hey, hey, JT, man, I had a chance to meet you in Pleasanton a couple of weeks ago at the Freddie Belitnikoff thing, man. You were so cool. I appreciate it. Hey, a uh, couple things. Um, one, I thought uh, for sure Chucky won the uh, – Gruden won the uh, – I don't want to call him Chucky. Uh, John Gruden won the, uh, the the press conference. A couple things that caught my attention was he said about Fox Monroe. I know we got Waller. I know we got some other threats under um, – but I was shocked what he said about that, being a team captain. That says a lot how hard he's worked. I, I thought maybe Witten might have slowed his uh, – his, uh, you know, Whitney being there was great, but I think that they took a couple of plays from Foster. I'm excited about that. Um, one other thing too, JT, uh, why are we still over the over and under in in Vegas? Still around eight? Is it eight right yeah. now, or is it? Why is that going to change? When is that going to change? I don't know if it's going to change. I mean, Vegas and the number of guys appreciate it usually get it right, and they usually get it right with the Raiders on how many games they're going to win, and they don't think that the Raiders are a ten win team because of the breakdown of the offensive line. That's it, and because they're in a division. And remember, when that number came out, we didn't know for sure if, uh, if Aaron Rodgers would go to Denver because there were some people and there were some handicappers who believed that Aaron Rodgers was going to end up in Denver. You know, the Raiders should be comfortable as an organization thinking they can win 10 games this year. That'll be a lot. Last year, they should have won 10. They only won eight. And they started off 2-0. and It's going to be a really brutal year. It's going to be hard. And they're going to have to be healthy. And they're going to have to perform at their best. They're going to have to be coached up better than last year. And the players are going to have to be accountable and play at a super high level. And Derek Carr is going to have to put this team on his back. Derek's a great player. He's going to have to play better than he's ever played and take his game to a higher level, which I think he can do. I want to thank Marc-Andre Fleury for all of his services the four years here in Vegas as he was traded today. Our guest, Linda Cohn, was fantastic. We have the John Gruden press conference Tomorrow I'll be in Henderson at practice, and we'll host the show from there. I can't wait for that. So here we go. The Raiders are open for business, and we do business on Raider Nation Radio. Thanks to all of our proud partners. We love them all. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great day.